0: The Spin-off Podcast Network.
1: Tallow for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz/donate.
0: You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Sparklab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Sparklab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is made by the spin off with help from Callaghan Innovation. Is your host, Simon Pound. When COVID hit, women in business were disproportionately affected. In New Zealand, it's been reported that 70% of job losses have been of women. One early report suggested that of 11,000 jobs lost, 10,000 were women. Venetia Nasi had always wanted to start a business that helped female business people prosper, and so saw these changes affecting many as an opportunity. Venetia found inspiration from a Jerry Seinfeld routine on flowers and men, one where he asked, if flowers were so often bought by men, how come forests aren't all manly to appeal to them? Phoenicia decided that she would put her background in consumer research to work out and see what the story really was with flower buying. The result is an online platform that helps people select the right floral answer to the job they want to do with flowers and sees examples of bouquets for their price point and can get them delivered. The platform, Buco, has 15 florists on board across Auckland and plans for expansion. And to talk the journey, how it's going, and what's next. Venetia Nasi joins us now. Kia ora, Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Simon. Hey, so...
0: How did you come to be interested in this idea? And yeah, where does uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and apologies to Jerry Seinfeld for butchering the content of um, his bit there, um, (laughs) how how, how does Jerry Seinfeld come into it?
1: Yeah, so it is a bit of a story. I I guess I'm an ideas person, and so um, I probably had this percolating in the back of my mind in 2019 when I purchased um, Flowers Myself online, and I just struggled with it. I was at work. I needed to buy flowers quite quickly. And I just found it so incredibly difficult. I didn't really think of much of it um, until my sister-in-law sent me flowers um, last year. And it kind of got me down this Alice in Wonderland uh, rabbit hole of actually trying to understand why online flower buying was the way that it was. Um, I just found it really difficult. It was hard to know who to buy from, uh, what to buy, and also knowing what was tr- who, who to trust and what to trust as well.
0: Yeah, t- t- tell me about the Jerry Seinfeld bit. Like, how did that help to yeah. crystallise it for you? And yeah, that, that's, there's such an interesting insight in, in his kind of line, which I which I wonder if it's true.
1: Exactly. And that, that was one of the things that sort of really, I guess, was the trigger for me to kind of look more into it. I kind of talk about the universe kind of bringing you signs and synchronicities um, when when you're really focused on something. And I, I'm a big Jerry Seinfeld fan, so I was watching it um, one weekend weekend, um, after I'd kind of briefly looked into kind of more of online flower buying and what was sort of going on within that space – um, and I saw this bit um, and he kind of talks about how it's just not humanly led. You know, you should be able to go into a flower shop and the florist to give you, I'm sorry for um, saying bad things about your your brother-in-law or <laughs> I'm sorry for saying your ass look big in, in, in that outfit um, that sort of thing. And I guess that really sort of triggered in my mind um, the insight around, you know, flowers are so emotionally led. Um, There's so much rewarding giving them and also receiving them and yet the online space is anything but emotionally rewarding. You get that emotional reward when you go in store. Um, So if you're a typical male, you'll go into a store and uh, not know what you're doing. Um, The florist will typically ask you, um, you know, who are you buying for? uh, What what are you kind of looking for in terms of what you're trying to say with them? And then you'll get handed this bouquet of flowers and you'll be sent on your merry way and everything will be great. Online, it's a completely different story. Um, You know, you've got to really know what you're looking for to kind of find the right Um, gesture, I guess.
0: Yeah, because I guess that is kind of a lot of people's journey into a florist, isn't it? Which is like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing, but oh, it's my sister-in-law's graduation. And so what are the right flowers? And if you didn't know the language of flowers, you could turn up with like, I don't know, 12 red roses and that would be a little weird. Or you could turn up with totally. some funereal flowers or something. Or you could also feel like flowers are they're quite expensive, really. You know, you're like, did I just get sold a $60 bunch when I should have bought a $30 bunch or totally. something? So how, how did you go about kind of testing those assumptions and asking, I guess, you know, different types of buyers and finding out... Yeah, what they thought of buying and what the problems
1: were. Yeah, and that, that was a lot of the initial research that I did, was actually just talking to a whole lot of people. Um, I spent a lot of time in florist shops uh, talking to florists, but also watching people come in and, and buying flowers and seeing how they went about going about buying flowers and sneakily asking them a few questions about you know, why, why they come in store rather than going online. I also spent a lot of time kind of talking to friends and family um, about their flower buying um, habits and that, and especially kind of focusing on people who didn't buy flowers because I think there's a lot of opportunity in that in that area to kind of help people understand flowers a little bit more. What I found, interestingly enough, um, talking to the people who don't purchase, is that there is a sense of flower buying being intimidating or very mm-hmm. opaque. So again, not knowing where to start or how to start and actually going into a flower shop is is super intimidating. So you'd imagine that people would try to go online to make it easier, um, but it isn't so. Yeah.
0: There, there is a real intimidation factor. Like, So much of the kind of aesthetic of um, florists and stuff, like, you know, if you're a real, you know, fragile masculinity blokey bloke, you know, going into a florist is probably as... um, as feminine an experience as going into a lingerie shop.
1: Completely. It's, um, it's not as accessible for, for men um, to kind of uh, go into a flower shop. And that was, that was actually one of the um, key quotes that I'd um, taken from one of the males that I talked to was um, going into a flower shop is actually a bit like buying lingerie. You know, it's all pink and pretty um, and you kind of don't want to touch anything <laughs> for fear of breaking something. Um, yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah,
0: and so how do you go about designing an experience? And I guess florist websites in general are very similar to the in-store experience because most people try and make their online store match it. Hey, yeah. and so um, do they also have the same kind of assumptions? Because you don't know what you don't know about, um, you know, the language of an area, and flowers definitely have their own language, and connotations, and things they signal. Hey?
1: Yes, definitely. One of the one of the insights that I found actually about sort of online florist shops is that they're just sort of replications of uh, catalogues. You know, you're kind of just browsing through a whole bunch of bouquets, and for some people that really works. You know, they're much more visual and they they kind of just want to look at look be visually led, mm. versus people who have a mission and want to complete the mission and don't really want to kind of look around and they they know that. You know, it's the common adage of people don't want um, you know, a screwdriver or a, um they they want the hole, you know. Is that it? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, they don't <laughs> yeah. want to drill. They want a they, hole. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, They
1: don't want to drill. They want a hole. And so with flowers, it's you a know. a
0: screwdriver, totally. Yeah, Is yeah. it?
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, clearly, not, yeah. clearly not a tools person. And so with flowers, you know, they, they either want to make their wife happy or they want to say thank you. Um, you know, it's all about the gesture rather than the flowers themselves. And so it's all about, you know, how do you help people along that way?
0: I feel bad now for actually having stereotyped, you know, (laughs) fragile masculinity men for, you (laughs) know, I'm sure there's lots of people who could feel intimidated by a um, a, a, a forest. And I don't want to say it's all men, but like my wife has much stronger opinions about flowers than I do and what are nice and not nice flowers. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, that looks nice. Like, oh, no, that's not a nice flower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's exactly. quite a high risk of getting it wrong.
1: Exactly. There yeah, is yeah. quite a high risk. And, <laughs> you know, I think people at the end of the day will always be happy with flowers, <laughs> but there, there might be a sense of, oh, you could have done a little bit better or or from the, the giver's um, perspective, oh, you know, is it right? Do they actually like it? Did I, you know, did I just waste sixty dollars on, you know, something that could have been better?
0: And how do you solve for that with your platform?
1: Yeah, so uh, we 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 like to say that we're a seamless sort of end to end experience. That's what we're sort of aiming for. So just going in from search right through to delivery. That's the aim. Um, so essentially, you come in, um, you answer a few short, simple questions that are very sort of human led. Um, you know, who are you buying for? What's going on in your life? Um, and it's very much like the the in store experience. I kind of talk about sort of the in, bringing the in-store online. And then what we serve up to you is actually just some options that will work for you, um, and you get to pick from those. So it's not like we say, uh, just here's, here's the one for you. Um, we give you some options to kind of choose from so you do feel like you've got some uh, agency over that as well. And then, yeah, straight through to uh, purchase.
0: And what's the mechanism or, you know, the process by which people are able to... Yeah, find the right bunch for the job they have to do with flowers.
1: Yeah, so that, that's all with the algorithm that we've got in the, the back end there. So we kind of uh, use what people kind of tell us and then we serve up something that will work for them um, depending on um, what they're sort of buying for. The nice thing also is that um, we actually have sort of pre-populated um, message cards as well, so you really don't have to think about it <laughs> at the end of it. Um, yeah, you can just use one of those and edit them.
0: So you kind of jump on the website and then it asks you a series of questions like, you know, what are these, um, who are you buying these flowers for? Uh, what, what what are the what, what are the kind of um, occasions and the flow of that?
1: Yeah, so who are you buying for? What's the occasion um, that you're buying for as well? Um, I guess what's the relationship between the person that uh, you're buying for and yourself? Um, we've had some interesting ones uh, put in there because it's a freeform field as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, what sort of colours are you after? and as well as sort of giving you an indication of... Size dependent on price as well, which people have kind of really come back to say that's been super useful for them. So, kind of giving them an indication of what their money will give them, um, and that's something that's very opaque even when you go in store as well. Um, the florist will ask you how much do you want to spend, and you're sort of like, oh, how big are they going to be? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's something that we we help with as well. And then yeah, where where the flowers going to, and uh, what uh, day do you want them delivered? Kia ora, I'm Sophie.
0: And I'm Simon.
1: And I'm Alice. And together we host the spin-off's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape. From the gourmet. Ooh la la. To your more hearty taka.
0: Kiwi onion dip, anyone?
1: Everything's on the table in Dietary
0: Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your other favourite podcasts. And how has it gone with working with the florists to get them online into this platform? And how are florists going, you know, like um a very, a very female, um, strong industry and an industry that probably um, you know, it certainly wasn't an essential service during COVID. Um, and it's probably something that uh, is, is a real victim of when discretionary spending pulls back.
1: Yes, and that's exactly it. Um, so I was very lucky to have built up some connections when I was doing um, my research. Um, spending a lot of time in florist shops will, um, you know, you, you build relationships through that um, and really understanding what these florists were kind of going through um, at the end of COVID. Um, COVID had hit florists particularly hard. You know, flowers are a perishable good and not only are they, um, you know, discretionary... Um, goods as well. Um, so there's not only a lot of time that takes to kind of put into creating this good. Um, you know, the flow on effects from COVID are still impacting um, some of the florists that I've had, where they see their corporate clients aren't spending as much as they, they used to because you know, budgets are still cut, um, so that that's been you know one of the unfortunate things that we're still kind of grappling with. Um, you know, how can I help these florists um, deal with corporate clients who typically do spend more than your average consumer. So, yeah, getting florists on board was actually uh, an easier process. Um, they, can ta- they, they wanted to take any help that they could get um, at the end of COVID in getting people back to spending. It did take quite a while for flower prices to uh, come down quite a bit. Um, you can imagine, you know, it takes three to six months to grow flowers, and so the limited quantity of flowers being available to sell um, meant that flower prices were super, super high for a long time. Yeah,
0: because they are such a perishable good. I guess if you are a grower and you look at the future and go, offices are shut, so, you know, real estate agents are shut, lawyers are shut, these yeah. people who are buying cut flowers aren't going to be there. No. Foot traffic is down because florists are such a foot traffic business. Exactly. And it's so interesting with these moves in work where, you know, maybe maybe people go to the office 3 out of 5 days now. That's perhaps 40% less foot traffic. That's exactly. It. For florists to survive. Yeah. And yeah, like how do you get corporates who used to put flowers in the reception to send a little bunch to all their workers at home? Or... <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's an idea. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that, that That's wild. And in, in terms of the actual kind of industry, like how online is it? Because I, I guess you know. There's lots of people you could probably go on their websites and get flowers uh, delivered. And and how are you? Um, how are you helping people who maybe mm. aren't that online?
1: Yeah, that's it. well, that's exactly it. So you've got a few kind of bigger players um, who do have uh, quite a few marketing dollars to spend. It's incredibly competitive online, and so that means uh, that these bigger players um, do get more market share. What Buko does is support local florists who maybe don't uh, have as much marketing spend, um, maybe aren't as savvy um, in terms of kind of their website and their technical skills. Um, and so that's, that's the real purpose is kind of helping these florists have a presence um, online and really, you know, helping people kind of purchase from these florists, not, the, not necessarily the, these bigger players.
0: And the website itself—I mean, it, it certainly shows the beautiful um, flower arrangements—but it's quite, and I, I imagine this is a, you know, a real choice. You know, it, it's quite neutral in many ways, so that it doesn't feel super yeah. floristy and the like. Is that—is that because the main target is um, men, or is there a main target, or yeah? yeah what, what's your kind of approach, and how are you trying to market and get the word out?
1: Yeah, well, initially that was my hypothesis that yeah. I'd be kind of, um, you know, targeting males who, but kind of, again, kind of going back to the stereotypes, like not knowing what they're buying and um, a little bit, um, uh, yeah, just... I don't want to say stupid, but (laughs) 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 just um, not knowing what they're buying. Um, But interestingly enough, um, you know, talking to customers who have purchased from us, um, they're just people who are on a mission Mm. and really just want to kind of go through the purchase cycle quite quickly, but quite confidently as well. And I think that's what the the platform sort of provides. I did want to have it, I guess, yes, more neutral in terms of um, being – Targeted towards specific genders, um, I think what we're trying to do as well is is really put some zest into a really tired and uninspired market. Um, you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, fluffy, frilly things out there, um, and we really just want to make it super easy and accessible for people to to buy flowers. One of the main drivers for me is actually thinking about um, sustainability and sustainability of, of gift-giving as well. Um, what I see in flowers is that it is a more sustainable option for people to purchase. Um, I think as people kind of look to their purchasing more uh, with more intensity and more scrutiny, um, they're looking for more options that that are more sustainable, and I think flowers provide that.
0: What's what's for, for, uh, what's sustainable in the flower buying? Is I guess yeah. off, off the top of my head, I'd think like, well, I mean. One of the weird things about flowers is that you do buy something so beautiful that then is gone so soon.
1: Exactly. And I think that's the beauty in it. You're buying nature. Um, I think there's something very poetic in about about that. I'm very romantic in that way. <laughs> but I, I guess a lot of people don't see that. And that's why I guess what we're trying to do with, with this brand is really just, um, you know, get people to see the power that are in flowers when you – it's all about the gesture, right? And so – but I don't think people are kind of seeing that, Um so yeah, that, I guess that's what we're trying to do with the brand itself—is is really um, put that zest back into that that market.
0: Yeah, cool. And how's it going?
1: Yeah, well, we're still very much in our infancy. So um, we've we've been sort of four months um, in Auckland in terms of kind of development plans. We're still very, very much at the beginning, still getting into a groove of um, building momentum and kind of developing as well um, and still kind of iterating and learning as well. I said, you know, the ideal is that we'll get to sort of a seamless end-to-end um, experience and we're still very much at the start of that.
0: And in that initial thought that, you know, um, especially the Jerry Seinfeldy one that, you know, if if flowers are all for guys to buy, why aren't florists kind of aimed at guys? Mm. I mean, is that true? Because if I think about the people I know who regularly buy flowers, they are, like, if they are guys buying them, they're buying them because they love them themselves. Like, I wonder what the actual proportion is of flowers that are bought because, you know, um, someone's in trouble or they feel they have to or whatever versus (laughs) someone buying it because... They love them and they're beautiful things, yeah. and they smell great, and they look beautiful, and they are—they uh, make rooms um, vibrant and happy. I th-
1: yeah, and no, I think that's exactly it. That there are, there is probably more. Of a larger proportion of people who actually understand flowers and understand well understand the power of flowers and they might you know like them a little bit better but I do think that there's a larger proportion of people that just don't look to flowers as an option um, they don't see them because they just don't understand them or they just um, aren't inspired by them mm.
0: yeah because it, it's it's really depressing to kind of if you would think of flowers as just being something that people bought when they were in trouble. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Interestingly enough, one of the, one of the insights um, yeah. that somebody had told me was uh, through uh, payments data, they found some sort of correlation between um, brothel visits and. Uh, f- Uh, going to a florist afterwards. So I'm suspecting that guilt might be a big driver as well. Wow,
0: (laughs) so if you randomly get a bunch of flowers from your partner (laughs) and there's not any link to it.
1: (laughs) Check the credit card (laughs) statement. (laughs)
0: Oh boy. and along the way, like, you know, be, being a founder and creating a, an online platform and building out like a, a marketplace with um, with forest and stuff, building up, a, a, you know, a, a customer base and a brand and getting people to know the product. What have been some of the interesting challenges or, you know, cool things you found along the way or hard things you found along the
1: way? Yeah. I mean, it has been a bit of a learning curve. And especially, I guess, we're still bootstrapped. And so um, it's about kind of getting. Getting the most value out of uh, the least amount of money that you've got, um, which has been a challenge for me, Um, you know, coming from a a marketing advertising background with clients who've got, you know, limitless budgets. um, That was a bit of a a thing that I had to kind of really uh, understand and and it was something that I grappled with um, and I'm still kind of figuring out how to get the most bang for buck um, and, you know, going about very clever ways of, of doing so.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the budgets and advertising yeah. are wild, yeah. yeah. And then when you're building something that actually is, um, you know, a real business um, connected to lots of little businesses. And yeah, how how can people, how do people get the word out?
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's one of the things that um, we're still toying with as we sort of um, develop. Uh, I think there are things that we still need to get right before we kind of put this out completely into the world our our plans are to expand to Christchurch and Wellington um, by the end of the year but uh, there are some crucial things um, that we need to put in place in terms of development to kind of get to that step and so it's all kind of you know taking one step back as much as you can make sort of a vision and a plan uh, forward um, you've got to take it day by day.
0: Are there any potholes you've found on the road others could avoid?
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, more than potholes, I guess one one of the surprising things um, that I didn't think I would encounter was just, um, I guess, this narrative around uh, women entrepreneurs within the startup um, ecosystem and this narrative around how challenging it is for female entrepreneurs, not only in terms of um, funding, but actually just being taken seriously um, by the founders or you know um, by the industry itself I, I didn't think that would be something um, that I encountered um, but yeah I've, I've joined some sort of women women and entrepreneurial uh, groups and that has been a, a topic that we've kind of talked about um, and it's only something that I've sort of um, come across very nascently so I haven't really had you know haven't come face to face with it yet, um but yeah, it's very interesting that that is still a dialogue um, that is that is going on
0: yeah, wild. And what advice would you have to anyone who does, um, you know, see a problem that they think uh, is a really interesting one to solve? Um, and, and you know, uh, about how they would go about getting into a business like yeah. this? Yeah.
1: Well, I guess it's about understanding what your strengths are and keeping focused on, you know, what really kind of lights you up. And I sort of, think that when you are focused on what sort of lights you up and what sort of gets you going and what you can kind of keep working on, that flow will come to you. Um, And you've got to give yourself space to kind of get into that flow as well. Um, So it's about understanding, you know, what am I really good at? What can I do? And work really, really hard at that. For the things that don 't light you up or or maybe you 're not so good at you know finding help and and really being honest with yourself um, about what that help kind of looks like as well um, yeah that 's super important.
0: Yeah, and it's it's early days, but like, what does success look like to you? Like, yeah. um, what what are your goals for Buko and for for you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this sort of grand vision that I have is, you know, is getting everyone everywhere to experience the power of flowers. You know, really bringing that into the mainstream. I think, in terms of uh, success for me personally, is is being able to kind of ride the roller coaster and, and ride the the waves as we kind of go through the the typical startup rollercoaster phase so it's about sort of constantly checking in with with how I am and how you know how things are going and and being honest with myself as well I think that that's that's real success for me I think um, sometimes you can kind of put your head in the sand um, and you know be really really focused on on this one goal that you've got without actually being uh, cognizant of what's actually going on around you and yeah being real with yourself.
0: Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, it's so hard to make something that doesn't exist exist because yeah. there's always so many jobs to do. It's hard to ever kind of take a step and go, oh, wow, I've actually done a lot already and give yourself a, an easy time occasionally. Yeah, hey?
1: yeah exactly. You've gotta, You've got to be kind to yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, oh, that's magic. Well, I can't wait to see uh, where you take it. Um, I love the name, Buko. It's such a great startup name for uh, a thing in the florist space. Thank you. Um, that's awesome. Thanks. It's so lovely to meet you today. Thanks for sharing your story. Oh. That's Vinisha Nasi of Buko.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Simon.
0: And thank you very much to Jonathan Pierce for producing. And thank you very much for having us along and listening. Cheers. You have been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Sparklab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Sparklab, visit sparklab.co.nz.